Excuse me. Are you Jewish? <laughs> Are you Jewish? You want to check my penis? Okay. Huh? Is that what you want to do? Are wearing headphones? Yes. Yep. You bet. Excellent. Uh, it was a very tactful way of asking if I specifically was wearing headphones because it's normally <laughs> me that's that up. <laughs> now, well, actually, I mean, to be fair, I figured Nate is a, a pro, you know, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I decided that for tonight only, I'm just going to record with my laptop mic and with my speakers blasting the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I figured, uh, you know, the mic might as well. pointed directly at the yeah. speakers, literally held up to them. <laughs> Feet up someone else's problem today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm in the smallest room I can be in. I will endeavor to give you as good a quality of recording as possible. Oh, that, yeah, that is a good point from Geraint, actually, that you uh, you usually produce your podcast, don't you? So you've you've got uh, a, a little break from doing that on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Just kick off, you know, send away the file, and then don't worry about it ever again. It must be nice being everyone else on my show. Oh, uh, yeah. T- no, tell me about it, man. Like, that's why <laughs> I love going on Sin Anne's live streams, because, like, it's just live in the moment, rock and roll. Yeah, don't have to worry about libeling people. <laughs> too much yeah that's 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 Sinan's thing to worry about yeah. yeah it was funny in the chat you were talking about what you leave cut especially while riley was still waiting on getting permanent residency in the uk he was like <laughs> super super careful about what we did we put out even on patreon because it's just like i know there's zero chance likelihood of this happening but he was so freaked out regardless and we're like we we're trying to tell him like riley i assure you the home office is not a patreon subscriber or trash future <laughs> trying to find <laughs> you out but <laughs> You never know, man. Like, the spy cops infiltrate, like, (laughs) the most marginal groups. And you guys, you know, had a bit of success. They may be thinking, this is where the domestic terror is happening. I love the idea that they've got a sort of podcast and an online division, but they're just really crap at it. So they end up trying to infiltrate the New Statesman podcast with, like, Stephen Bush or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're having to do, like, a briefing sheet to the higher-ups when you explain what poggers means. (laughs) (laughs) What type of Marxist is this James Dellingpole guy, anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, according to the centre-left book that I read for Sinan's podcast, James Dellingpole is less of a malign force in our society than Matt Zarb cousin. Sorry, the provocateur Matt Zarb cousin. Right, yeah, because James Dellingpole could definitely not be described as a provocateur. He's not actually spent the last 15 years shitting himself for attention or anything. <laughs> no, they're like, he's just a pain in the ass. Matt Zarb cousin is the real danger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the home office is targeting Matt Zarb cousin. The only organisation targeting Dellingpole is the RSPCA. <laughs> did you know, did you know Dellingpole actually has a more right-wing brother? Really? Yeah, he's called Dick Dellingpole, and he looks like James <laughs> Dellingpole with a stupid moustache. Dick and by every, name. Dick by... Every, every so often, if I criticise right-wing authoritarianism, he'll pop up in the likes or something, like, once a year, and every time I'm like, oh, God, have I fucked it here? No, no, it's just the, <laughs> the, the one thing that his crank libertarianism is good on. That's fine. He's still a cunt. Oh, wow, yeah, I'm just looking at his moustache right now. Pretty impressive. <laughs> it's, it's actually an incredible, incredible Twitter bio. James's brother, libertarian, sceptical of AGW, lockdown and the EU, not a bedwetter, <laughs> occasional, 
not anymore. <laughs> that not stopped anymore. at age no. forty. Yeah, occasional <laughs> historical French soldier, eighteen fifteen, nineteen seventeen, and nineteen forty. <laughs> <laughs> you know he does. He, he on one hand, yeah, he fights for Vichy, and he keeps the reenacting the surrender specifically. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because on one hand you're right, he does look just like him with a mustache. On the other hand, he just looks healthier, like he gets more sun. Yeah, but James yeah. Kellingpole's face just looks so. Yeah. It's the face of someone who's got a sunburn from their laptop screen. Well, like, it's he... unbelievable. <laughs> it's, the face, it's the face of someone who would and has tweeted out pictures of dogs having sex. <laughs> <laughs> it was both surprising and not surprising when that happened. God, that was, yeah, it's amazing. I've seen people post photos of like, yeah, my grandma thinks that the Facebook status is Google. And so she was adding her Facebook status and it was just, it was basically like nice furniture arrangement or something like that. Oh, right. And it's like, it, it's, it's a window into the psyche and James Dellingpole has provided the same window, but it's a horrible vision. Well, on the topic yep. of Dick Dellingpole, so he ran as a candidate for UKIP using Richard, probably quite wisely, like Mr. Richard Brain, another UKIP uh, uh, <laughs> luminary. But I was wondering why when I searched him in Google Images, uh, so many pictures of Hitler came up. And it's because there was some kind of controversy because he'd posted this image of himself photoshopped to be like three Nazis standing around Hitler. It's like a being John Malkovich thing, but like being John Malkovich and Adolf Hitler, <laughs> you know? And he's very bald as well. So yeah, very Malkovichian in that regard. Bald in obviously multiple senses. Yeah, the US has its own sort of freaks gallery of people that our politics produces. But I don't know, maybe because I'm not from here. I've only lived here for like a little over two years, but just my God. The people, like the weird caricatures that come to life. Dick Brain and the whole UKIP, <laughs> whoever it was, like the guy who quit UKIP, maybe it was Dick Brain, somebody else. He stood down as party leader because he apparently was getting blackmailed for a video of him jacking off on a northern rail train. Like, <laughs> just unreal stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They're like, almost kind of like low-hanging fruit, the British far right, because it's yeah, so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's why we go for centrists instead, but then our main target is a guy called Mike Gapes. So... <laughs> <laughs> Talk about low hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> low hanging <Fuck's> milk. Sake. <laughs> <laughs> Opposing the government we want to tighten up control. They want to sideline moderate voices. We don't think anybody should be surprised about that. That is the nature of the world. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. We know who the hard left who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. Hard left wing position. Hard left. Left. The hard 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 left. Hard left. The 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 hard left. 
look, man, I gotta be honest with you. I don't keep up with all of the of the real politic extended universe, but there have been times whenever Milne is in the news, all I can think of is Mr. Seamus Milne. Like it's <laughs> Mr. Seamus Milne. <laughs> Unreal. He's so rattled in that video. Yeah, he gets even even angrier and says Mr. Seamus Milne again in a more aggressive tone later. It's the way he's video. like Putin's puppets or something. Like real venom in the. I believe Mr. Yeah. Seamus Milne has been <laughs> dissembling and uh, lying on behalf of Putin's Russian government. Yeah, it's great stuff. Ah. And Mr. Seamus Milne, in my opinion, has been dissembling and attempting to divert attention from the real cause and the real culprits, which is the Putin regime in Moscow. God. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm pumped now. I'm ready. We can, we, can, uh, <laughs> we, we can knock it all out. First gate is the purist. <laughs> well, um, uh, so right, I'll stop sending you guys pictures of Dick Dellingpole's mustache slash photoshops of him with Adolf Hitler. Yeah, please, no more deck packs. <laughs> yeah, and we can move on and talk about the various things that we wanted to talk about today, which I believe was a combination of UK and US politics and some of our very special guests. I always try and think of synonyms for very special, and I'm just like, uh, very special <laughs> guests. <laughs> uh, recent Twitter antics, I, oh, yeah. I believe we wanted to get the inside track on. So let's introduce our guest. We have got with us Nate Buffea, the producer and one of the hosts of Trash Future, as well as What a Hell of a Way to Die. Is That's correct, the yeah. The name of it. And you're the producer rather than the host of Lions by Donkeys, not... Y yeah, Lions Led by Donkeys is a history podcast, like a left-wing history podcast about <laughs> military failures. It's by an American friend of mine who lives in Hawaii. It has nothing to do with the Melt billboards. I have to specify. <laughs> and I, I feel bad gonna... because Joe, the host, gets added by idiot British Gen Xers on a regular basis. And he's just like, I don't know what they're talking about. So. Like, oh, mate, I love the one where there was the speech bubble coming out of Jeremy Corbyn's mouth saying nothing. That was so <laughs> fucking good. So profound. Really it, makes you think. It says a lot about society, yeah. But thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you, Nate. Yeah, you haven't been on the show before. It is very special when we have a guest on because we're like the least organised podcast in, in the game. It, it takes a lot to get even three or more of our hosts on the same call together. So it's great to be joined not just by Nate today, but by Yair from America and Geraint from Scotland. Hello. That sounds like your LBC callers. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, Mr. We're... Starmer, what about <laughs> the Great Replacement Theory, eh? <laughs> we are slightly less racist on average than LBC callers and considerably less racist than LBC presenters, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Yair voted for that Bernie Sanders. He sounds pretty anti-Semitic to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, on a positive note, unlike LBC, at least our booking is not done by Majid Nawaz. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah, what what a fucking hack. I love that tweet that was like, whatever Islamist group he was part of, Donald Trump, 
the Lib Dems. <laughs> He's the most easily radicalized man in the world. Well, the, the thing about Starmer and the great replacement woman who called in and was like, I want an Israeli nation state law for Britain. I saw the private eye clip that apparently she had called in before. And so Majid Nawaz wrote down her number to call her back specifically to bring her on <laughs> to talk to Starmer. And it's just like... Uh, she's on like an extremely anti-Semitic podcast that she hosts from, and I'm not joking. Uh, she's a uh, a far right vegan yoga instructor in Ibiza. Uh, and so <laughs> nice. you feel like you feel like like that can't be an accident. Like Majid Nawaz must have known. Like, all right, all right, this is a gem. I've got to bring this person back just in time. What she's gonna say is really important. Do you think that the line of thinking was literally just? Oh, she mentioned Israel. That'll, like, fucking trip him up. Because what, what she said was, like, she's one of the, like, like Donald Trump, like an anti-Semitic hardline Israel supporter. She was just sort of like, yeah, it's great how in Israel they have the racist nation-state law that means that racism is enshrined into law. We should have that. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, and you see this with American Christian Zionists a lot, perhaps less so. I don't know really about Britain because, I mean, I feel like there's a less of an evangelical presence here by like a great deal. Oh, but in the U.S., obviously, like people like Mike Pence, my former governor of Indiana and also the former vice president, people in that sort of circle, they're really into Israel. And I'm not joking because they believe that the second coming of the Messiah can only happen if the rapture happens, can only happen if a big conflagration kicks off. They basically are like Israel has to exist so the Antichrist can nuke it so that we... <laughs> can be brought to salvation and at no point we're tools in their salvation yeah exactly and it's just like at no point have people been like you know this is a bit weird but in the same vein that you know you hear about the Likud party's proximity to people like Viktor Orban like it shouldn't come as a surprise I guess I'm picking my words very carefully because obviously like you know you don't want to paint with broad brushes but yeah you're if I'm not mistaken you're from Israel aren't you well I am an Israeli citizen yeah I've never lived there, but oh, okay. I've certainly visited. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, like, I don't know if this guy has been your experience, but the Christian Zionist fixation on specifically on the rapture, which has to happen when Jerusalem gets nuked by the Antichrist or whatever, like, they're not particularly subtle about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, like, the, the American hardline right-wing Israel supporters who are also anti-Semitic, as well as the theological explanation that you've just explained. Like, yeah. part of it is that they look over there and they really like what they see Israel doing to the Palestinians. And yeah. secondly, yeah. it's also just that they kind of wish that the Jewish people that they know in their lives would move to a different country. Yeah, they're, they're like, <laughs> it's really nice that they have a nation, a racist nation state. Can we deport all the diaspora Jews there? Yeah. And it's just sort of like, at some point, it would be nice if we could have an honest conversation. But regardless, I don't know if you were going to segue into the Queen's Counselor chat, but I have run <laughs> yeah. afoul of part of that community in, in the UK. Not yeah. for any real serious reason, but just because I have periodically jumped in and dunked on some of the really insane things that the sort of what I'd call philo-Semitic Gamergate Nasher Jew thing <laughs> yeah. uh, is they're constantly doing. I mean, this really this started all those people. The reason why they're complaining about me is because about a year and some change ago, basically right before Boris Johnson showed up shit-faced to the Remembrance Sunday thing and the BBC just dropped in new footage, I noticed there was that young woman who appeared on Question Time. I think she was from Brighton. She's Jewish. And she said that, you know, my family are labor supporters and we support Jeremy Corbyn and we're not scared. None of this stuff rings true in my experience. 
And so, of course, Philosemite at Gamergate decided to dox her and say she's not actually Jewish because, in their opinion, she doesn't tweet enough about klezmer and shul and bagels. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. And, and Was it like you've never mentioned gefilte fish once gefilte or something? Fish wasn't once, it? Yeah, exactly. yeah it's, like, it's like me. You know what? You're right. This is a huge fucking conspiracy. Bernie Sanders has never, ever tweeted about a strimal before. I think he's also lying about being a Jew. So I made fun of her, and I think the biggest thing was I made fun of the fact that, like, here you are policing someone else's religious practice at, like, 8 p.m. on Friday night, and the sun set at 4 or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, if you're really this into Judaism and, and your own religious observance, like, it's Shabbat. Log the fuck off. And that, that, drove them, that drove them nuts because I think it's just one of those things where, above all else, they can't stand getting dunked on. Like, none of this actually, like, they want to mm. bully the left out of public life. They want to harass people. They want to make a permanent association between the left and anti-Semitism. But it's, I think ultimately they're just posters. And <laughs> Jeff Samuels apparently made Aliyah, moved to Israel, forced his whole family to move Aliyah. In five years, they haven't been able to learn Hebrew. None of them can work. He's retired, but the rest of his family are of working age. They can't really work there because they can't speak Hebrew. And he just posts all day. It's genuinely, <laughs> it's kind of a drill bit. Like, legit, genuinely, like, hey, you know, my wife hates me. My kids can't work. They live in this prison of my own creation. But instead of enjoying the beach <laughs> at Natanya where we live, I'm just fucking yelling at people all day online. Well, and someone tweeted at him, like, log off, you fucking dickhead. You're making an absolute fucking tit of yourself. And he was like, oh, you sound like my wife. And everyone, <laughs> everyone made fun of him. And he was like, typical, hard left, don't understand a like, sense of humor. It's like, I've got a great sense of humor. I love when people Photoshop pictures of your face so that you're bald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so basically the same group revisited me again as they periodically do. This time they were mad at me for making fun of the Raphael Bear article. And, and, you know, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know that Raphael Bear was Jewish. I no, didn't no, read. of course not. I didn't read the piece all that closely. I mean, I did read the excerpts, but the piece being a rehash of his previous Brexit gave me a heart attack thing, but with an extra dig at both Corbyn, anyone who supported Corbyn, basically implying that all Corbyn supporters were either in favor of or tacitly accepting of a plan to do pogroms, to ethnically cleanse Jews from the UK. And mm. it was unbelievably shocking. But also there's the extent to which it's one thing to be like, all right, yeah, it sucks, dude. It sucks you had a heart attack. Like it sucks the media created this climate. But it's also when someone says Jeremy Corbyn gave me a heart attack, it is deeply funny. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was really it. And then, you know, midway through a recording session with Trash Future, all of a sudden everything started exploding for my Twitter mentions. And I was like, oh, no, they've come at me again. And specifically, Jeff Samuels, QC, who is still a practicing QC, he basically questioned whether or not I'm Jewish. And I said, well, yeah, of I am. And normally when that sort of exchange happens, people will be like, okay. Obviously, if you say you're Jewish and then they go in down, your pinned tweet is something about you professing your love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They might ask some <laughs> questions, but normally people accept it. But this guy instead Googled Nate Bethay Christian and <laughs> found the first thing that came up, which was a Christian black teenager's blog from like 2014, where in the blog he admits to being 15 years old and feeling like he sinned as a Christian for having smoked a cigarette once because he's fucking 15 years old. 
and he's like, "Is this you? Is this?" And and, and, and and what was wild about it was that Samuels jumped in. Another famous housing lawyer apparently jumped in, and I was just like, "No, you stupid fucks! Here's some goddamn bylines I wrote in 2014 when I was a freelancer. Like, do you think this is the same person? Like, they're like for the New York Times, and it's yeah, like, no, yeah. it's clearly the 15 year old yeah. who's like, Most man, I just smoked a cigarette. God's gonna kill me. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was the account Jules SD found another post from the same guy on like a Christian blogger's like question and answer where he's like I feel like I've sinned as a Christian like I want to regain God's love because I lost my virginity but I didn't love the person and it's like I just turned 18 years old and it was in 2018 I was just like look <laughs> look guys like uh, uh, you need to do, like, you're supposed to be lawyers like be good at this shit like dig in just a little bit but they kept at it and you know they just kept showing their ass more and more and I eventually just muted it because I mean at a certain point you expend that much energy it, it starts to you know be a tax on your own psyche yeah. yeah but fucking four days later they're still at it still like melting still. down losing their minds i've been talking a while so i'll yield the floor here but i was just so blown <laughs> away by it because for he's like I, I get it and yeah or maybe you've dealt with this too that a lot of these folks when challenged on anything that first thing they want are your jewish bona fides and then they want to say that actually doesn't count and actually uh, secretly oh, yeah. you're a goy somehow this isn't anything new and i think a lot of leftists in britain who saw this were really shocked by it And it's like i wasn't shocked or surprised because i've just seen this so much before but when you're very obviously you have found the wrong information to dox someone with and then you just fucking dig in and keep going that was the thing that really shocked me incredible yeah yeah i mean it's definitely something that i have encountered especially from within the jewish community because my mom is actually a gentile who did convert to judaism before I was born, but because she was ever a Gentile, I faced a lot of people saying, oh, well, you're not really a Jew then. Mm -hmm. Like, uh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my... It's, like, it's, it's very, it can be quite gatekeepy at times. Yeah, my dad's actually not Jewish, my mom is, and so for ultra-Orthodox people, even though I grew up with only a very small amount of religious observance, I think my parents' solution was to do neither, and then later in life became slightly more religious as a Jew. Mm. It's wild because people will say, well, he counts because of his lineage, even if he doesn't practice, whereas someone who's been raised a reformed Jew in America their entire life, they're like, yeah, he's a goy, he doesn't count. And yeah. that gatekeeping <laughs> aspect is really wild, and I think that it can definitely come as a shock to people if they're not used to it. But unfortunately, it's just part and parcel of all this. And obviously with the Nasher people, like half to two-thirds of those people are not Jewish. They're just... Centrist uh, QAnon. Centrist QAnon, yeah, it's wild. It, and, and, <laughs> and the ones who are Jewish, I mean, many of them are observant, but many of them are not. And that's why they wind up showing their ass. It's like, why would this girl in Brighton be tweeting really, really Yiddishly? For one, Hooters a site run by Nazis. For another, like, what if her family isn't Ashkenazi? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild to me sometimes, but that never crosses their mind because their notions of what constitutes Jewish identity is so incredibly super, super hyper-focused. Like, like, basically, Britain is the only country that ever existed. And trying to get them to realize, you know, that there's people in Israel who are Jewish and Arabic's their first language, right? Like, you do realize that, right? Like, yeah. they don't get it. So, at this point, I don't try to really argue in seriousness. It's just more like you get to make fun of them because they show their ass so often. And Jeff Samuels, for some reason, writes like King James when he tweets at people. Like, I don't fucking get it. Like, you read his tweets and you're like, is this a counterblast to tobacco or something? I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he just writes in such a bizarrely. <laughs> What's the right word here? Like fucking, like he's trying to impress someone with his vocabulary, but he winds yeah. up sounding For like a, a demented, or? 
Yeah, mm. florid. Yeah, like a demented lord or something like that. It's really wild. It's like he's still a QC, or I believe he was a judge at one point as well. And it's that literally playing to the gallery, but he's actually just sat there in his living room with probably a beautiful sunny day outside <laughs> that he's ignoring, shouting at his phone. Well, you know, he's still a true man of the cloth, by which I mean he touches cloth every time he sees the mildest left-wing sentiments. <laughs> I'm just on his timeline right now, and it's just a sample tweet. Zionism, in capital letters, a thread, brackets, continued, and then in brackets at the end of the tweet, 26. <laughs> and that goes on for oh, a further. It's a 36 tweet thread about the Soviet campaign to discredit Zionism. So he's not Get off currently Twitter <laughs> if you can't talking. do 280 characters. <laughs> Short yeah. threads are alright, but that's just an essay. Yeah, he's not currently talking about Nate, but it could possibly be trying to place Nate's antics in a continuum of Soviet style. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know me, I'm a sleeper Soviet agent. They activated me when I was seven years old, right before the Soviet Union collapsed, and they're like, at some point you need to go to Britain and you need to piss off this guy who wears a wig. And I mean, the thing too is, Garant, I think it was, you may have shared this, someone else did too, about his past history as the defense lawyer for a guy who raped and murdered a child, and him basically cross-examining the victim's mother and making her cry by reading some really upsetting stuff, and obviously he was defended by the legal community that he was doing his job, but he strikes you as someone who's got a very useful switch in his brain that he can just whatever he's doing at any given moment and just not yep. even register that criticism exists. I remember when he was harassing another account is a Scottish guy, I believe, who is Jewish by extraction. I believe his grandfather was one of the kinder transport children, but he grew up pretty much not religious. And they were harassing him and saying he wasn't a real Jew. And Jeff Samuels tweeted a photo at him that was like a bunch of F-16s with Magen Davids photoshopped on them. And it was like, Jews, not so easy to bully anymore. And I was like, this is indistinguishable from a fucking David D's cartoon. Like, you are completely in the... Like, have have a thing about vaccines causing autism and like 5G puts ants on your brain or whatever. Like, you're out of your fucking mind. He's got a Facebook mindset, but he's not on Facebook is is the problem, ultimately, I think. He's just completely... He's got terrible politics and everything's multiplied by the fact that he's completely unable to deal with Twitter modes of communication, particularly from younger people and from people to his left. He just doesn't get it at all. The funniest thing I've seen involved with him was probably about three or four days deep into the first time people found him and were calling him bald and stuff. <laughs> and he was kicking off and that was obviously attracting ten more times people to him each time. You know, of ten course. Times more people. And about four days into this, someone's like, you are bald, you are bald. And he replied, I think without any text, it was just a photo which turned out to be about six years old of him staring at his camera phone in pure bewilderment um, with, with, with like a thin head of hair so in context it's like was I'm it the classic like proof. middle-aged man photo where it cuts off most of his face and it's just like the top of his head pretty much it wasn't quite that but it had that look of absolute terror in his face that usually comes when your dad tries the online dating and someone asks him to send a photo he's like oh shit I've never bothered with this before how do I do it (laughs) yeah I've noticed that he is convinced that there's been some kind of hacking or some skullduggery involved with someone getting his DM where he was snooping around thinking he could get information on me and he spelled my surname wrong 
And it's like you do realize that you DM somebody who was making fun of you and they shared it because you're an idiot. But yeah, yeah he's, no, uh, <laughs> it was just me being an idiot. The fucking screenshot of a DM found its way to me and I didn't think, oh, this is an ongoing trolling operation. Just sent it to Nate, who probably <laughs> tweeted it out. Yeah, my bad. It as you, been, as no, you would, it was my it was bad. Incredibly it was, funny, you know? I blew the operation. Yeah, I, exactly. I deserve the full disciplinary at St. Petersburg Tower. I was going to say, you're going to go back to get debriefed and receive some discipline Skya or whatever. But uh, <laughs> watching this happen, I'm reminded. I mean, I think that to me, what I think it is, is that a lot of how this stuff operates is these guys, this sort of online phenomenon. They try to cyber bully people. They try to dogpile people. They try to provoke them. And what they're really trying to do is either... If they find someone who's responding, they try to discredit them. They try to say this person's an anti-Semite. Or they try to get them on the topic of something where they're caught wrong-footed and they get them mm. to say something. And even if that person wasn't intending it to be anything, they'll be over-interpreting it or that person might phrase it awkwardly and they'll be like, see, proof, they're all anti-Semites. And it's like, <laughs> even it comes down to literally saying somebody, if they use the plural and they say the Jews, for example, that they're like, oh, see, he's an anti-Semite, conspiracy theory. And it's like, that person might not realize that it's a slightly awkward phrasing. But you know what I mean? Like, But all it's these just, guys love saying the Jews. They, they, like, they, they, they never say Jewish people if they can drop yeah, that hard, and there's, nothing, and there's nothing even <laughs> wrong with saying the Jews. It's just, <laughs> obviously, in some context, it does kind of sound like you're drunk Richard Nixon being recorded right before Walter. You know, like that kind of a thing. And so you see that stuff happening a lot. And it's just kind of a reminder that these people had an undue amount of sway in shaping public opinion for what happened with the Labor Party and with Corbyn. And obviously I went out and fucking canvassed like anybody else. And that's a sore spot for me. So obviously it's a reminder of just how big of fucking clowns. Well, so much of this country is and yeah it's still on i mean i suppose i could be ruining my own day continuing to engage with these guys you know five days later but i try to rise above their level so it's just back to normal for me and yeah apparently even if you make 500 pounds an hour you can still be a complete fucking idiot that's right man when they go low capitalism we, we go high that's yeah. the motto of our podcast we always remain above the fray <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, well i mean michelle well and also i was gonna I was say yair you probably seen this too and, and jack i know you've seen it we've talked about this a bit the extent to which they absolutely them as a group when you think about there are many members of this sort of online posting strategy that are jewish and there are many probably in my opinion more who are not they mm. love saying jew hate they don't yeah. like saying anti-semitism they love saying jew hate it's like they get <laughs> off on saying it and it's, it's like tragic nobody yeah, came yeah. up with a word for this <laughs> historic phenomenon like, yeah. Yeah, no junk wild <laughs> yeah and I see this all the time and I'm just sort of like, I'll give you an example. And Jack, I know you retweeted this, but I think it's really funny is that I just happened to check. People were sharing some stuff related to, I think, Lee Kern. Lee who, Kearns. Yeah, who's, who's <laughs> insane. the biggest idiot. <laughs> One of the dumbest people I've ever encountered. So he basically was saying that even though people are enjoying a meme of Bernie Sanders that remember he supported Corbyn, so fuck him, he's a twit. <laughs> yeah. And a person replied to Lee Kern. And before I read their tweet, I want you to just, I'm going to read their bio. Hashtag no safe space for Jew hate. Hashtag end Jew hatred. And then bio, deepening the Israeli flag emoji connection, defending against hate. So <laughs> I got I, both Jew hatred and Jew hate in there. Exactly. All bases. And so, you know, with a bio like that, the unassuming observer might assume, hey, you know what? This is somebody who really cares about fighting anti-Semitism. So what does he tweet? He tweets. In addition, Sanders is friends with Sarsour, Omar, and Tlaib. 
We spelled it Talib, but it's Tlaib. All of them supported him during the Dem primaries. They found a self-hating Jew they could get behind. His only interest in Israel was in the 60s when he had no job and could work at a kibbutz for free food. <laughs> well, they couldn't spell Tlaib, but they couldn't even spell fucking kibbutz either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, man, that classic like... line about the self-hating Jew, of course. Of course, Love yeah. It. You know what you are? What am I? You're a self Loathing Jew. Am I? Oh, well, yes, 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 yes. Jewish. I do hate myself. You, yes. But it has nothing to do with being Jewish, okay? And I can't figure out, is he a freewheeling, like a freeloader? The freewheeling so... Bernie Sanders. I'm pretty yeah. sure someone did a Photoshop <laughs> of that album cover. <laughs> it's just one of those things where I feel as though this tendency for better or worse, that's not just related. It's not just in Britain, but I think that it was certainly handled with way more fucking credulousness on the part of British mainstream media. Mm. This tendency, they basically just reserve the right to be anti-Semitic to the Jews they don't like. Yeah. And that's really all it comes down to. It's a mitzvah for me to fucking cyberbully people and say genuinely offensive shit to them about their faith, and they may not even be anti-Zionist. They might just be like, oh, I kind of want society to get better, and this left-wing politician seems credible on that. And then it turns into um, the maths lady on a game show is fucking filing lawsuits against everyone who ever asks her on Twitter. Like, I don't even know what the fuck anymore. Yeah, a really uh, frightening campaign of intimidation to the extent that I'm not sure I can actually say that. <laughs> but there's a couple of tweets from that guy, Group to Stop Hate. News Gatherer, I think they were called, who you were interacting with, Nate. Firstly, after the thing he said about Sanders being a self-hating Jew, in their phrase, someone said their tweet was disgusting, and they responded, Are you looting stores, defacing property like the Portland Antifa? Are you simply a troll? So, uh, opposing anti-Semitism by opposing anti-fascism. Famously, and, and, a thing that goes in hand, yeah. And then this other tweet was actually in reply to Nate, but it's more just kind of a nugget for the gapeheads out there. You got 15 plus likes to the most ridiculous question one can ask, which, by the way, was what? Uh, <laughs> that was Nate's no, no sole contribution, which they were very angry. By the time I screenshotted it, it had 42 likes rather than 15 plus. But you got 15 plus likes to the most ridiculous question one can ask. I guess Bernie's old cow milkers from the kibbutz are checking in. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe we should name the category of RP Patreon subscribers. Like, we've only got one tier. Just name it Bernie's Old Cow Milkers from the Kibbutz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys recall this, but probably around anywhere from, I don't know, November-ish 2019 to, like, maybe it was January 2020, there was an organization. There basically was a Twitter account saying, we're going to start a movement of Jews against Bernie or something like that, or, like, <laughs> Democrats against anti-Semitism. And it was the same sort of approach, the Nasher approach, but yeah. unlike the United Kingdom, obviously Bernie Sanders, well, for one thing, Bernie Sanders is Jewish, but Bernie, pretty much all of his family in, in Poland were murdered in the Holocaust. Bernie Sanders also has an enormous following of left-wing Jews in America. Probably more, I mean, in a perhaps unironic moment, Ellie Valley, the cartoonist, made the point that for a lot of Jewish Americans, the connection to what you might call the sort of like trade unionism, socialism of Jewish communities in America pre-McCarthy and pre-Cold War, Bernie Sanders represented a link to that that was missing in American Jewish life. And so it was a huge draw 
for Sanders. So obviously, like the minute that someone jumps in with this idiotic fucking claim, and also you could tell from the way that things were phrased, the way they were numbering the dates and the way things were spelled, that it was obviously British people. Everyone just fucking <laughs> blew up on them, and then they had to lock the account and delete it. And so it went nowhere. But you could see that that same approach of, you know, Bernie Sanders isn't actually Jewish. He's not Jewish enough. And then you ask these people, well, what actually would you define as being Jewish enough? And invariably, it always comes down to Mike either. Apes. Yeah, Mike Gapes. Or <laughs> either it's a thing about Israel or it's a thing about more or less being anti-left. Where's your Judaism? Judaism, where are you? Where, where are you, And so that phenomenon does exist in America. I mean, I remember I lived in New York in the 2016 primary and there was this. uh, Let me see if I can find it. Actually, you may if you want to just cut out the silence um, (laughs) for a second here. Hang on. Give me one sec. Well, while you find it, I was just going to say I sent you the article that was like Jewish Chronicle headline. Mike Gapes. People thought I was Jewish or something. And Who I are think, these people? Yeah, yeah, Judas quote tweeted that, like, nobody thought you were Jewish, Mike. <laughs> the famous Jewish name, Gapes. <laughs> Let me see if I can find scripture. this. Oh, God, I'm just finding all oh, these yeah. people who I hate. But yeah, keep going, sorry. I think you're the only person that's and they're it. not blocked by him now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 he blocked a, a, fucking a really sad day for the A really sad day for the podcast because I was relying on Jack sending me screen caps of the funny tweets. Yeah, I, ju- I just look at him in another browser now, which I, yeah. I, I often do. <laughs> what was the one I found the other day? Oh, yeah. The boss is back when Springsteen played the inauguration. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, I can't find it anymore. But there was this article by a Jewish-American woman who I think was Orthodox, and it was just sort of like all of this... Bernie Sanders is a fake Jew. Bernie Sanders isn't actually left wing, peppered with some Yiddishisms thrown in. That phenomenon definitely existed. And I mean, obviously, Sanders didn't win the primary. And a lot of people, the sort of centrist libs in America, are very salty that he even challenged Hillary in the first place. And so, you know, you'll, yeah. you'll see the same vein of Lee Kern. You'll see a bunch of salty, very liberal people complaining about him having any prominence at all. Now, he's in polling. He's one of the most popular, if not the most popular politicians in America. It's wild. And so this phenomenon exists, I think, everywhere. It's just that here in Britain, it seems to get amplified more. And then you also have the hand-powered libel machine that is Stephen Pollard's editorial tenureship at the Jewish Chronicle just (laughs) harassing people. And if, say, for example, I had said something out of turn, say, for example, I had something shady in my past tweets they all went through or something had turned up or so on and so forth, I guarantee you that there would have been a hit piece written about me because when one of our mutuals, Socialist Bangers, had to apologize to Jeff Samuels. Literally, Lee Harpin wrote a piece about it. Like, who gives a shit what fucking random people on Twitter are saying? But for some reason, like, this (laughs) hyper-focus in the media that then would, depending on how important a person is perceived to be, is going to maybe get, you know, amplified in fucking The Guardian or The Telegraph or The Times or whatever. Like, you can see how there's this credulousness, the sort of anti-left, pro-hard-right sentiment. is just everywhere in all British media. And so I feel like British leftists have it fucking worse than in America. I think Jewish British leftists have such a fucking hard time. And I just feel for them so much because, I mean, 
I think about Rivka Brown getting harassed by yeah. like, randos in the comments being like, well, uh, my daughter went to, you know, like Jewish day school with you and said you were a cunt or something like that. And like, you know, like <laughs> Margaret yeah. Hodge goes in and retweets it or some shit. That didn't <laughs> actually happen, but, it, you know, that's the kind of thing that would happen. Like, it's wild, man. It's, it's just no, it was, it was pretty true. There were a load of people like, oh, I know your mum and she'd think what you're yeah. doing is disgraceful. And then her mum was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, her yeah, mum actually had really to creepy, intervene. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that exact phenomenon played out with the situation that I saw this week where Rachel Cohen's father, Steve Cohen, wrote a book called I'm Sorry You Don't Look Anti-Semitic in the 80s. And she and I had talked before and she had mentioned it. And so when Simon Meyerson QC basically told people to read it, she jumped in and she was like, fuck off. My dad would have hated what you're doing. <laughs> and she basically said he absolutely abhorred left anti-Semitism, but he also was hard left and he hated Blair and he genuinely would despise this stuff. And yeah. A guy jumped in and said, well, given what you've said, it sounds like it's no great loss that he's gone. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's just like, yeah, parodic what? levels of fucking malicious, malevolent cartoon evil. villainy. And, and yeah. I responded to this and said, like, are you for fucking real? And Simon, the guy fucking defended him. And I'm like, you're invoking <laughs> your in friendship with this guy, saying you knew him better than his own daughter, and you know his intentions and his thoughts better than his own daughter. And here's one of your mutuals jumps in and says, it's good that he's dead. And you're like, well, it's an important point that you're raising. It's like, <laughs> That's his man, opinion. what kind of that. just fucking craven shit is this? And so, yeah, that was kind of, I mean, the guy did delete the comment, but that to me was illuminating of the way that these exchanges tend to go. Like, it's all gross hostility of the lowest they can get and when called on it it's just sort of like well no this fight is too important for civility and it's like well i'm not even asking for civility i'm asking for you to like basic human standards of decency like i fucking hate all sorts of politicians and public figures in this country but i would under normal circumstances i presume refrain from jumping in their kids mentions and be like ha your dad's dead fuck him like come on <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely old news to say, oh, well, the standards are like, there's an unfair standard applied. Yeah, there is. We know that. But <laughs> every now and again, something happens that brings that into relief, and you're just shocked by it. You're like, <laughs> there would be like a Twitter campaign to fucking deplatform somebody who said that to a right wing figure. Because mm. rightfully, you would say, okay, this is crossing a boundary. And those boundaries never seem to apply when it comes to the left. You know, much like Jeremy Corbyn gave me a heart attack and everyone who supported him just held their noses at the fact that he wanted to do pogroms. Like, what? What, what I felt was tragic about that piece was, like, the insinuation that in a genuine Holocaust-type situation, Tom Watson and Jess Phillips and Wes Streeting would hide you in their attic. It's like, they would call the police, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> they, they would say, we have very affordable rates in one of my properties, so why, why don't you... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it's like, Jess Phillips strikes me as the kind of person who would call the cops because someone walking past her house opened the recycle bin and put, like, a, a single plastic bottle inside. I can't imagine that if the full force of the state was trying to ethnically cleanse a minority group that she would be like, oh, I'll definitely take that risk. You well, know that's I mean? the classic like, tweet where she's just <laughs> atting the police or something like, "Oi, there's travelers fucking parking yeah. like outside yeah. my gap, like yeah. fucking yeah. get them." And it's like, yeah, travelers who were persona non grata in a very real Holocaust situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. you guys all know these people: the Tom Watson, Jess Phillips, Mike Gapes, Raphael Bear is better <laughs> than do. I do. But, I mean, I think, I'm not going to butcher his name, but his first name is Arjun. He shared that piece he wrote about Corbin that I think mm. Corbin followed him as a result of. And 
He made a really good point, I think, two points that I would would emphasize. Number one, that it is actually a real thing to say that people were scared and people were freaked out and, and genuinely perhaps even to the point of it being harmful for their health. But that fear was being stoked by a bunch of incredibly malign actors were throwing caution to the wind to say the most disgusting hyperbolic shit they could. Stephen Daisley writes an article right before the election invoking this fantasy scenario where the Israeli military is flying emergency relief flights like they did in <laughs> Ethiopia in the 80s to evacuate British Jews. And Daisley's a fucking Catholic, I think, from Australia. All that shit. There was a genuine fear because all the fear was being stoked and hyped up. And that's fucked up. It's really fucked up that an entire community's media arm, if you will, all the community reporting was basically fixating on creating the impression that everyone in momentum was secretly in the Einsatzgruppen. It's Mm. insane. And point two in Arjun's piece that I thought was great was, you know, the spectator just published Douglas Murray basically complaining that a Holocaust memorial was too political and that the political education aspect of a Holocaust memorial would be used to agitate for more refugees to be admitted to the UK. And in Arjun's estimation, the point he was basically trying to make was you should be grateful that any Jewish refugees were admitted to the UK at all during World War II. Mm. And it's like, I can't think of anything. I mean, that's, 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 wow, that's unfucking believable. <laughs> but not only was there no outcry, I mean, it basically passed without any comment at all. That's just, you know, a day ending in Y at The Spectator. Yeah, I mean, Douglas Murray, uh, very concerned about Labour anti-Semitism. I can say with absolute certainty, by the way, that Jeremy Corbyn's position on Jewish refugees coming into the UK and the UK's relative failure or success in doing that in the aftermath and during the Holocaust will be the polar opposite of the one expressed in that view. Uh, I I can say with absolute certitude that he will be saying we should have taken more people in. There's an organization, Jews Against Boris, that formed in the run-up to the GE. And one of the things that I really appreciated them doing was they held a yard site to commemorate the death of a Mizrahi Jewish Moroccan man who was detained at Jarlswood and died in detention. And it's Mm. like, if you want to talk about the state persecuting people, here is a great fucking example. And (laughs) Jews are not exempt from that. If you're Jewish, but your citizenship happens to be a country that the UK wants to victimize, then regardless of how you came about undocumented status in this country, it doesn't matter. You are the enemy to the state. And calling attention to that, I think, was a great thing. But once again, that passed unnoticed because the conversation wasn't meant to be a thing that could be answered and resolved. And I think Mm. the leaked report showed that obviously like fixing the problem wasn't really the priority. It was just meant to be a thing that would, I don't want to sound like a crank, but like a thing to get revenge for 2017. That's part of it, at least. Yeah. It became the thing that anyone, I'm sure all of you guys have seen this happen, that if you get dogpiled or engaged by the sort of like charts Twitter, you know, to like the, 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 the hyper aggro centrists, it's the first fucking thing out of their mouths. It's the first fucking thing yeah. out of your mouth. You anti-Semite, you support the anti-Semite. Any issue. Yeah. Yeah, 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 100%. I got called a fucking anti-Semite for making fun of a non-Jewish Italian kid because I said he looked like someone who wanted to like dissect babies and he was like you're <laughs> yeah. doing a blood libel on me I'm like that's not a blood libel like first of all I'm Jewish secondly you're not pizza second, libels like, second like me saying you look like a freak is not me saying that the Jews want to make matzo out of children's blood the fuck is, what are you talking about so the tenor of it is just completely unhinged I think Meyerson compared me to Gilad Atzman um, just all sorts of shit I could keep going I'll let you guys talk I'm sorry I, I always have a lot of thoughts on this but I did appreciate people reaching out 
And the thing about it is, like, I wasn't all that perturbed by it because it's not the first time this shit's happened. This is kind of par for the course with the way centrist QAnon operates. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the idea with the whole, you called it the revenge for 2017, which I don't think is a crankish thing to say. I think it's entirely accurate in the way that a lot of people instrumentalize the idea that the left were anti-Semitic. I think the idea with it was that this perceived sin cancelled out what the left was actually advocating that they lost their uh, what is the phrase moral currency something like that that the left didn't have a right to advocate the things that they actually did advocate because they'd forfeited that in the words of i think a recent times editorial yeah their perceived advocacy of this anti-semitic program which I, i don't believe existed yeah, no one can say what it actually is going to be. And, and I do believe there was an interview with a New Yorker journalist who basically pressed someone. I, I don't remember the specifics. And the guy had said that Corbyn would make life for Jews in the UK intolerable. And when pressed by a Jewish American journalist to explain what it is, it basically was he finally admitted that it would be politically annoying to Tories. <laughs> like, which is a very different thing than saying that all Jews in Britain would find life intolerable. It genuinely is like the Stuart Lee bit about if you say you're English, you'll be arrested and thrown in jail. And then when you finally drill down to it, it's actually you can't put English on the census form or something like that. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. and so, I mean, seeing that stuff happen, seeing it go on and on the way that it did. Obviously, there were some frustrations with how the Labour Party handled it in terms of their messaging and also just some of the like what seemed like unforced errors. Like We could talk about that all day, but I think what it really comes mm-hmm. down to is that's the thing people lead with because they were so sure that they were going to repudiate the left in 2017, and then they didn't. And yeah. no matter how much the right fucking wins in our lifetimes, I hope not at all, but those people will still forever be fucking furious about that. Yeah. Like, they're so mad about 2017. Like they, it, it cannot... It has to be extirpated from human history because they're so fucking mad about it still. Yeah. What I find interesting in this whole recent thing around the Raphael Bear article is that when Jeremy Corbyn was suspended from the Labour Party, subsequently readmitted, of course, but without the Labour whip, he was kicked out for saying certain political opponents of his dramatically overstated the scale of the anti-Semitism problem in Labour. And supporters of his cited things like that Stephen Daisley piece that Nate mentioned. Simon Heffer going on LBC. Simon Heffer saying that the camp would be reopened under Corbyn. And a lot of people, I remember Stephen Bush for one, responded saying that these were kind of isolated, extreme examples, but were nonetheless representative of fears in the community, which is kind of a different point that Nate has already made. These fears did exist, but that doesn't necessarily mean they were true. When I was 23 years old, when Obama was getting inaugurated, I knew somebody who was convinced that Obama was going to change the American flag to the Obama for America (laughs) campaign flag because he's the Antichrist. Now, is that fear real? Yes. Does that person have a fear that needs to be fucking catered to and treated credulously? No. Not at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a huge number of Americans right now who still think the election was stolen by Joe yeah, Biden. Exactly. Yeah. So? <laughs> well, Ju- Julie's going to fix it, Matt. Julie. Well, yep, yeah, Rudy. <laughs> America's man. Rudy. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, anyway, these were portrayed as the outliers, the outright statements that Corbyn was going to do some kind of pogrom, because I guess saying Corbyn posed an existential threat was merely a kind of dog whistle in that direction. It didn't specify that the existential threat would come in the form of an actual pogrom. We were told these were extreme examples. 
But aren't they pretty much just reiterated by this supposedly moderate Raphael Bear piece? Uh, it's basically saying the same thing. Yes. I mean, I think that if you genuinely believed that, then I would love to know what made you believe that. And I mm. don't really have a lot of sympathy for people like Raphael Bear who should absolutely know better. And I think this was just... For one, the Corbin stuff seemed shoehorned in. It seemed very awkwardly like thrust in there, like it didn't need to be in the piece. I do feel bad for older people because you think about how social media and stuff breaks boomers' brains. Like when you think about old people, <laughs> old Jewish people who trust organs like the Jewish Chronicle, and they're seeing this stuff, and these are people who, even if they're too young to have any direct experience, they surely knew people who were. Yeah. I, I feel really bad for those people because of the way in which they're fears and sensitivities were egged on by incredibly craven politics here in the UK, you know, by mainstream non-Jewish media, all the various right-wing and center-right-wing, basically the full spectrum of British news from center-right yeah, to far-right, yeah, yeah, all bit, that, yeah. you know, <laughs> and folks online and things like what Simon Heffer said or Tom Bauer telling Mike Segalov that he's a self-hating Jew on TV for supporting Corbyn, that wow. kind of stuff, all that shit. I feel bad for the people that were terrorized by this stuff, but that wasn't the left. That wasn't us. Genuinely, it wasn't. Some of the stuff that they would reported in the, the leaked labor report was really horrendous, but here's somebody who basically said the Holocaust didn't happen, who was a labor member, and they wound up letting their direct debit expire, lapse or whatever, because in the like nine months between when this was reported and when they finally left the party that way because the compliance unit was too busy doing trot hunting and kicking people out because they went to a fucking green party event in 2007 or something. Yeah. It's just the disinformation, the cravenness of it. Yeah, it gets you fired up and you feel powerless. And sometimes the only thing you can do is tell a dude with a wig that he looks bald. <laughs> you know, what else, <laughs> what else is there? And what I think really is the sort of QAnon-ness of it all. So there's stuff which you don't just get from the super anti-anti-semitism people but like from eu obsessives as well and stuff is like they're convinced that corbyn is absurdly personally wealthy the lowest expenses claiming mp you know it's true corbyn is kind of property rich because his house is worth like a million quid that's because it's in london yeah it's in yeah. Islington. if you look at it the, the <laughs> average del corbyn is not exactly like a palatial fucking like palace of versailles kind of opulent yeah. splendor <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> It's a, it, was, it was literally in the news today that the average house price in London has reached half a million. And he's got a fairly modest house in a quite nice area yeah. that's going to approach a million in itself. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? I mean, I, I, it would be, and he earns a good salary from his job. a leader who wanted to address the housing crisis, well, I'd say that person <laughs> should be stopped at all costs and driven from public life. I mean, I, I was thinking about that, yeah, because I was actually thinking about this today. Corbin's house looks like a complete piece of shit. I mean, yeah. it's a townhouse in Islington <laughs> that he probably spent like 20,000 pounds on in the early 80s or something. Like, it's so... It, it, it would have been completely modest. And it's, it is modest. It's just that, like Grant said, it's because of the inflation of property. I mean, I live on a street in South London and the people across the street from us, there's no way in hell we would be able to buy the place that we're renting, but the people across the street from us recently bought their place for 700,000 pounds. And the last time it sold was in 1996 for like, I want to say 50,000 pounds. So <laughs> Corbin, incredibly wealthy. Like, yes, I'm sure if he did sell his house and leave London, 
he would have a huge amount of money in the bank from it. But the idea that anyone who owns a home in Britain is secretly a posho, like that just blows my mind because also they love to shit on him because he didn't go to university and he got like oh, yeah, bad yeah, yeah. exam levels. And just like, pick one, guys. Like, what is it <laughs> yeah. that you're going to get mad about? Just being left wing at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's, that I think that's, that's, that's the, the underlying common ground i think yeah yeah the very yeah. subtle subtext but yeah the real conspiratorial thing other than just like the corbyn's hoarding his vast sums of untold wealth is like just essentially the fact that they always read these malign motives into everything you'd kind of think most anti-war people are anti-war because they're horrified by violence when you? you kind of think most socialists are socialists because they're horrified by poverty well, no, you wouldn't think that according to the new wisdom of British politics. Even a few years ago, you know, socialists, oh, they're just woolly idealists. That Jeremy Corbyn, nice bloke, he just wants the moon on a stick. But now it's all just kind of like, oh, they're socialist. Well, they must hate the West and want to destroy our way of life. And Sorry, I'm just turning into gays. But, you know, you know the kind of thing. It's all like, oh, really? You want a more fair economy where you secretly hate Jews? Yeah. That's like, at the end of the day, that's kind and of... Jeremy Corbyn's Maoist bicycle and Jeremy Corbyn's, you know, photoshopping a Greek fisherman's hat to look like an Ushianka. You yeah. know, Jeremy Corbyn... <laughs> was a secret check agent just oh my god all of it and it is wild to me the extent to which i mean the sheer hatred that it whipped up and i feel like i get it if people were afraid you know another group that i feel really bad for are the really old people on the left who the defining thing of their life if they are leftists you know who were who were in their let's say 60s 70s the guys with sandals who were out canvassing with young people it was the defining feature of being on the left for them was watching labor get wiped out under michael foot when thatcher won in 83 and here's the first chance for them to actually like the closest we've gotten to anything approaching government and they go out and canvas and they get fucking their ribs broken by deranged whatsapp dads just the most <laughs> insane shit and nobody talks about that like nobody talks about i got charged at and screamed at canvassing and crawley um, yeah, I was going to ask. You experienced this. I stuff. did. I was knocking on a door towards the very end of my shift, and I asked. And I said, "I was, you know, I'm with the local labor party," and a woman just screamed like, "Oh, piss off!" and came charging at me. And her daughter basically blocked her in the door, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm going to leave." But then maybe a day prior or two days prior, Tristan Cross got punched in the face coming off the train because he was wearing a labor pin. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Edie, who I think you know, she got chased by a guy in nothing but pants, basically saying, you're a fucking Stalinist, and then screamed at her baby. He's like, that baby's a Stalinist, too. (laughs) That kind of (laughs) shit. Like, just the deranged narrative that was going around it and how that manifested itself. I feel bad for that. A fascistic narrative, I think. Outright, like, which fucking regimes around the world have treated the left in this way? Yeah, (laughs) and, and, you know, when I was in Crawley, the base that we were operating out of was, like, an old row house, like, probably a right-to-buy row house owned by some old 70-something leftist pensioners. And I felt really, because those people, you know, they welcomed 50 rainy soaked just gross fucking canvassers into their house and were like making soup for us while we were out canvassing and using their PowerPoint to plug in a hairdryer to like dry off our crib sheets or whatever. And, you know, it's very likely, sadly, that those people will not see a left-wing government in Britain in their lifetime. That's who I feel bad for, you know? And so, you know, when I went out canvassing, I was assigned to a random group and three out of the four of us were Jewish. And I would just like to have 
some representation of the fact that no matter how many polls you kick out there about like, well, you know, 80, 87% of British Jews don't like Corbyn or whatever, whatever the poll is, because there's always going to be that poll, you know, thrown around. They would, someone would please acknowledge people who were in labor or who were in momentum or who were just canvassing because they supported Corbyn. We also exist and nothing that we experienced lines up with what you're describing, but we certainly did experience a lot of the state trying to criminalize our existence and Mm. it was the state you know acting the way a far-right state does the report has its virtues i think it's deeply flawed but the ehrc investigating labor just kind of on the eve of an election this state body that pretty much anyone who's intellectually honest accepts is racist (laughs) biased towards the right and ultimately not fit for purpose just Um, kind of being held over the left-wing opposition throughout this election period again is like you know italy in the years of lead or some kind of shit yeah (laughs) how do you say obviously there are big differences but the timing of it was very reminiscent of how comey announced that he was investigating hillary's emails like three days before the election in 2016 like, hmm, I wonder if this has any possible political agenda behind it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it was a premeditated move by a deep, vast conspiracy <laughs> for that reason, but it was part of a general kind of atmosphere of, I think, persecution of the left. Well, yeah, anything goes, basically, as long as it's targeting the left. And I mean, I, I was just laughing when you mentioned the years of lead. I'm like, how do you say, would you nationalize sausages in Italian? Because it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was just seeing Emma Barnett on the timeline. Oh, actually. great. I mean, I was just laughing about that. I said this on Twitter, and forgive me for recapping shit I've already said, but honestly, like, my grandfather lived to be about 90. I hope that I get to live that long, and I don't think if I do live that long that I will ever forget that shit. The just up is down, left is right, complete inversion of reality that was being Mm. presented on every channel, every aspect of British media. The Facebook stories from the BBC are like, isn't voting boring? Like, voting doesn't really change anything, does it? Like, why register to vote, you know? <laughs> the, was, that was on the, like, the last day, hours before the deadline as well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah. they literally... <laughs> 100%, yeah. Or Boris showing up pissed to a Remembrance Sunday thing and putting the wreath on upside down. So they just mm-hmm. played the footage of him in 2016, I think, when he was mayor of London, or I think it was the question time. It was one of the debates where they completely edited the response and just. Oh, that's insane. Milo on Trash Future has described being at work one time in Russia when he had a regular job and watching TV where it was just Vladimir Putin playing hockey with the Russian national team or like against the national team. And he, <laughs> and he scored five goals and everyone's like, wow, the president is such a good <laughs> hockey player. Like That was probably more <laughs> accurate than a lot of BBC <laughs> shit. <laughs> Actually, I worked on that photo op and I can say Putin's scored four out of five of those motherfuckers okay? <laughs> like i just having had that happen that was the thing that i was telling my friends back in the u.s who are on the left just to expect like if sanders does well like expect reality to get inverted and yeah we saw that happen when bernie won iowa won new hampshire and won nevada and it was looking because of the sheer margin of victory in nevada that he was going to win outright like it wouldn't have been mediated at the convention or brokered it would have been an outright victory and I can't remember if it was Chris Matthews, one of like the talking heads on American TV was basically like, you're going to take people like me to Central Park and shoot us. Like he said this on live TV. Was like, Good. Like what? Like, and Sanders is not that Sanders is right wing, but Sanders is to the right of Corbyn. Like what Sanders was proposing. Oh, yeah. Sanders yeah. is a New Deal Democrat. Like he's not a radical. 
It's just that in the utterly debased nature of American politics, like that's what constitutes the far left. In relative terms, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, totally. This has just been another reminder. But I will say that I really do appreciate two things that I would say that really came to mind with watching this stuff happen in my own personal experience this week. And that is, obviously, I really appreciate the solidarity from people, the people changing their names to fuck with Jeff Samuels and so on. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think the thing that really gets me is the extent to which people would reach out and be like, hey, you know, I'm trying to educate myself on stuff. And just the fact that the attention that they're trying to pay to be like, it's not like dismissing wholesale and saying there's no such thing as left anti-Semitism. It's more like, well, I'd like to know so I don't say some dumb shit unintentionally. And the Mm. fact that I do think that people are the concern in terms of left wing people trying to be better is genuine, at least from the people that I encounter. Obviously, I don't give a shit about the sort of Paul Embry types who, you know, are just, yeah, yeah that's that wasted. Waste Trying of time. to be worse. Yeah, exactly. But I did appreciate that. And that, to me, I think is just another indication of we have the entirety of the British state trying to discredit our existence, but these aren't bad people. These aren't malignant people. These are people who generally just like want the country to be fairer and better. And like, yeah, it's wild to me that we've been made out to be these absolute fanatics. But I mean, <laughs> as I'm learning, it's kind of par for the course here. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The anti-Semitism thing, I mean, I think it functioned among sort of other ideas, the Corbynite left are abusive on the internet, the Corbynite left are sexist, blah, 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 blah. I think it kind of functioned as just something that while this abhorrent kind of right-wing establishment campaign to just crush the left was going on, just that liberals wouldn't lift a finger. Yeah. That was the main function of it. It was like the fascists would attack the left and that wouldn't make it into the column. But some fucking nonsense that would be disproved yeah. two hours later. Corbinite thugs what... punched Matt Hancock or whatever, you know, that kind of yeah. shit. Yeah, that would get reported. But nobody cared about the man in his 60s getting his ribs broken by some fascist or any shit like that. Or Joe you Cox know? getting shot in 2016 or... Right. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was just turned into the hard left and mean online. Well, I mean, you know? did, didn't Jess Phillips in her book basically try to finagle the wording to make it seem like Joe Cox was shot by a Corbyn supporter. Like, I remember there I being a very, sure. like, weasel-wordy kind of phrasing about it. There was a lot of two-sides discuss in general, wasn't there? Right. I will all, admit... Uh, at the one extreme, the they, they shot an MP in the street in cold blood, and on the other one of them called me a melt online. <laughs> yeah, you know? I was so... honestly fucking disgusted. I remember, like, Toynbee doing it in the aftermath, just basically publishing her quick response to the Joe Cox murder. Just, oh, don't be mean to me on Twitter. Like, wow, this is what we need to bring us together so we're more united. Mm-hmm. Really pathetic stuff, I thought, because, like, the fascist who fucking killed Joe Cox cold-bloodedly in the street. This guy, so the son of former new labor minister charles clark he mentions the joe cox murder as an example of how populism has inflamed our politics on both left and right frequently in his book almost tries to yeah i think he really does try and tie it to corbynism actually and he throughout his book draws a distinction between you know the good people like him who are definitely on the left despite there not being a left-wing policy that they support they should be allowed to be called the left. So he draws this distinction that the centrists who aren't actually on the left, like him, who are nice and good and wholesome and principled, they are the pluralist left. And those of us on what you may call the hard left, I'm afraid, are the populist left. And it is just this fucking deluded idea that the fascist who murdered Joe Cox drew any kind of distinction between 
pluralist Joe Cox and populist Mm. Jeremy Corbyn and wouldn't have done exactly the same thing to Jeremy Corbyn if he saw him in the street. It is just utterly deluded. And, you know, let's say he doesn't even believe it just utterly dishonest and malign and borderline fascist apologism there's a guy that i've encountered in the nasher periphery i won't name him because i think that he said some really incredibly dumb shit but at times he's also tried to be at least intellectually honest i mean like he said some really dumb shit like don't get me wrong he said some shit that's so (laughs) unbelievably dumb that if i mention his name you will immediately recall some of the dumbest shit that he said but he did say that he one time got harassed by skinheads in manchester and he was yeah you know, that's who i thought he yeah, was of course about, of yeah. course yeah 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 yeah. you know you know <laughs> yeah. i know grant i know you because you you know you have s- such an incredible memory uh, for i would agree with all of your take there on him <laughs> yeah because he he, he <laughs> the good he, and the bad he stops short of doing the conspiracy theory shit but he absolutely is mm-hmm. very anti-corbin and he believes that left anti-semitism is sort of defines a huge chunk of the left but he yeah. got harassed skinheads threatened him in a chip shop and were like what are you some kind of fucking jew and basically we're yelling Tommy Robinson at him or something like that and he told the story and he was just like yeah I was literally out just getting chips like fucking checking Twitter while I was waiting on my order and all these folks jumped in his mentions and they were like see this is fucking Jeremy Corbyn Corbyn's people out and he's like I assure you these people are not Corbyn supporters they were skinheads <laughs> who said free Tommy Robinson like they're they're not Corbyn supporters yeah. and the sheer unbelief on the part of the people responding they're like no 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 sounds like Corbyn isn't me see Corbyn's made it worse now these people can come out and just say mm. this stuff would yeah. they have said it before Corbyn like, yeah, yeah they, they would have they, they there's have been, been fascists in Britain forever <laughs> in slightly waxing and waning numbers and trends yeah, but it's never a problem that was ended or reduced to the margins I, I, really I mean, a significant number of my relatives on my British side their parents did not raise them with any recognition of their Jewish faith mm-hmm. because they were worried about the black shirts in the 30s. So yeah. it came as a surprise to them as young adults when they were told, by the way, you're Jewish. It's just that we didn't tell you during the war because we were worried that we were going to be rounded up because it certainly seemed like we were going to lose the war in 1940 and Mosley had a plan for us. And Mm. so the idea that this is some imported phenomenon or something, that this couldn't possibly happen here, it's like, I don't know, it kind of did almost happen here. And a lot of the folks who were more or less okay with it were people like, I don't know how to say his name, if it's Wright or Reith, but like the guy who was the first governor of the BBC. Yeah, the BBC. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, Uh, when he died, his diary was published and he's just gushing over Hitler. (laughs) He went out of his way to keep anti-Hitler politicians off the BBC in the 30s. That's British liberals. There was a lot of it. Yeah. There was a lot of it there in high society in Britain. You know, obviously sections of the royals, sections of the aristocracy, various minor lords and their relatives. There was quite a large upper class proportion of people that at least pre-war were nazi sympathizers yeah the whole Mm. big reveal at the end of remains of the day is about this Mm. phenomenon that there were all these aristocrats who were really really into hitler and so there's a liberal contingent in the uk that doesn't want to acknowledge just how organic this stuff is how native to Mm. britain this stuff is and i think jack your point is really good that in the face of this genuine threat these people were like i will not inconvenience myself I wouldn't dare support someone who believes in nationalizing the trains. 
I'm just politically homeless. And then wouldn't you know it, the far right wins in a landslide. And now we're condemned to live with whatever the fuck they want to do. You know, they've decided they're going to do the war on woke or whatever. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, God, if anyone truly believes that Boris Johnson was the anti-racist alternative to Jeremy Corbyn, just compare Boris Johnson's statements on Obama removing the bust of Churchill from the Oval Office and Joe Biden removing the bust of Churchill from the Oval Office. With Obama, it's like, he's a fucking Kenyan, he hates Britain, he hates the West, he hates white people, you should be very scared. With Biden, it's like, well, that's his beliefs and I respect that. (laughs) The special relationship is stronger than ever. Literally compare the two statements and it's night and day. I mean, there are are probably going to be a few people out there just calling him a deranged Fenian or whatever, but I just, I do think that all the things that you could just line up, I mean, we, starting out as a joke for a live show, did a sort of like reading and review of Boris Johnson's novel, 72 Virgins. And then as we realized how insane it was, we were like, we need to finish the whole thing, like go through the whole book and read it. And just the sheer volume of just absurdly racist shit that's in that book, I mean, it boggles the mind. And to my knowledge, we covered it. I think a couple of other shows did. I'm pretty sure Novara did something. And finally, like two days before the election, John Stone at The Independent did a thing about specifically the really gross stereotypes of Jewish characters in that book, like a guy named Sammy Katz with wiry hair and eyes like a snake or whatever, you know, that kind of shit, you know? Like, and then the famous sort of approach of like, let me write really gross anti-Semitic stereotypes, but ascribe them to the viewpoint of one of my characters. And yeah. that's your anti-racist prime minister right there, you know? Thank you, Britain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love you, Britain. Classic Rachel <laughs> Riley tweet. Incredible. Careful, don't want to to see us. <laughs> uh, I listened to some of the Trash Future stuff on that book and there was a Twitter account tweeting some of the many alarming quotes from it as well, I think, at the time as well. A Twitter account set up purely for that. Yeah. And it had the exact same vibe to it to one really from the archives here, pre-Twitter, I think, Richard Littlejohn's novel. Yeah. Which, if you've <laughs> never heard about that one, features scenes including the obvious Richard Littlejohn insert, the sort of right-wing telling it as it is, truth-sayer type character, goes on the radio and debates a left-wing academic and defeats her so soundly that she shits her pants live on air. And <laughs> later the same character is found masturbating with a bust of Karl Marx because this is how Richard That Littlejohn's sounds like something from works. one of Hugh Lemmy's novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was another scene. But, but seriously. But it would be like, hotter in Hugh's There was a character yeah. in, I believe, the same book or in one of Richard Littlejohn's novels where your craven left-winger becomes a cop, but he's so obsessed. He's so turned on by the power of becoming a cop to infiltrate the state that he, like, anally masturbates with a truncheon. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's just... Yeah deranged and you're just like this is <laughs> this is the stuff well, that sounds like something FFF would write for uh, gay cast <laughs> like this is all sounding like good wholesome left wing yeah. writing yeah. to me guys. it's very much I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards isn't it you know <laughs> exactly yeah I mean I feel like at one point we did an episode about the phenomenon of I don't even understand it very well Riley knows all this stuff but the supply chain financing stuff where the company founded by this weird Australian billionaire will buy up your accounts payable debt and pay your clients immediately but with a deduction and then you don't have to count 
or if you pay, you subscribe to the service, you don't have to count your accounts payable debt as debt. So like you've lots of companies that use this and they have massive amounts of debt that isn't reported. So like all of their evaluations, audits, et cetera, make them seem like they're way more solvent than they actually are. And so this episode, some people in finance journalism liked it and someone forwarded comments like, oh yeah, this is some hedge fund manager who really liked that episode. It's like, wow, these guys are great. They know what they're talking about. They are all a bunch of trots though. And it's just like, <laughs> like what the fuck? Who the fuck? Are- Maybe it's the guy who Ken Livingston compared to Jimmy Savile yeah. when he donated to Dan Jarvis. <laughs> I just look at it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is the default thing that we must all be Trotskyites? What I realize is that the characterized version of leftism and leftists in Britain basically hasn't been updated since 1983. And yeah. these guys still live in like that. That is like the end of history to them. It wasn't 1991. It was Thatcher. I mean, I, in an act of masochism, read one of, God, his name is escaping me, but really Tory historian, famously a plagiarist. And he wrote a book about <laughs> a two-volume series about Britain in the 70s. And I read it. And like the best way I could describe it is... Uh, Sandbrook. Yeah, Sandbrook. Sandbrook. Yes, thank you. Yes. Geraint's favorite. I'm, I'm far too familiar with his work. Oh, shit. hell yeah. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> you know that at the end of Seasons in the Sun, the best way I could yeah. describe Margaret Thatcher leaving number 10 for her first press conference after winning was like orgasmic, like genuinely (laughs) orgasmic as the last scene in the book. And his fixation on making like him profiling Tony Benn, it might as well have been Richard Littlejohn writing it. (laughs) Just the sheer (laughs) hatred coming through. And you're like, this is considered a good popular history in this country. So yeah, man, I just, uh, it's grim. It's funny, but it's grim as shit too. Yeah, they just re-upped the mythology the last few years, you know? Like, Sandbrook, we read this mad fucking (laughs) Daily Mail, I think, piece that he wrote, which was like a fantasy of the first hundred days of a Corbyn dictatorship. (laughs) It was wonderful. The time we did it, when we covered that, it was like 99 days into the Boris Johnson leadership, and as COVID was getting really bad here and everything was fucked. Yeah, so I called it Malo yeah. or a hundred days of Johnson. Yeah, um, so the actual it, reality was objectively worse than this nightmarish Corbyn's going to ruin everything straight away type article. Yeah, it was like, oh, there's an outbreak of the flu. <laughs> 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 uh, Sandbrook is incidentally cited repeatedly in the fucking <laughs> shit centrist book that I read for tonight's podcast. He's like he Chris, son of Charles Clark's favorite fucking historian. Was Yaya going to say something? by the way it sounded like uh, I, I don't think I was speaking up right that second but uh, I, I guess His I have one final note on anti-semitism oh, uh, an, okay. a- an anecdotal little note just that when I was born my family was very diasporic I had family in the UK I had family in the US all over the US I had family in Israel and now I've got one aunt and a grandma who lives here in the US and all my family has gone over to the UK or Israel. My whole nuclear family moved to the UK like six months ago. Because you said they weren't worried about British anti-Semitism so much no. as American. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they are a bit melty, but they do support Corbyn. And yeah, they definitely did not buy into any of that bullshit about him being anti-Semitic. They're much more afraid of American anti-Semitism, as you say, than yeah. supposed British anti-Semitism. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, I think about just some of the stuff that's been going on in the U.S., you know, like the Tree of Life shooting and the people at Charlottesville Mm. and the guys showing up on the 6th, you know, wearing Camp Auschwitz shirts and stuff like that. That stuff's been percolating a lot. And I feel like people are in denial of it. 
and yeah. it's really grim. And I can only imagine, and you have all my sympathy, how weird it must feel from your perspective to see that and then see the chuds whenever they form up to do some dumb bullshit. <laughs> They're always waving the American flag and the Israeli flag, and it's just like, ah, two far-right yeah. flags, hell yeah, you know? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I went with my folks to a very small gathering in Kalispell, Montana. There was like 20 people there. My family was half of them, practically. And it was at a hotel lobby, and they actually hired a private security guard, because this was just after that Tree of Life shooting. And it was just weird, because it's such a small town. Nothing goes on there. But yeah, they had to hire private security just to get people to come out. Jeez, man. It's gotten really weird and continues. Yeah, I mean, just I felt the same way seeing the people who were out doing statue protecting stuff this summer in the UK. (laughs) When the crowd like that forms up, it's just like, "Mm, uh, this is not going to be good. This is definitely not a place where you want to be identifiably Jewish or any racial minority or sexual minority or queer in any way or left wing. (laughs) So we do have a word for that, but no one seems to want to use it. You know, slightly fascist. Do you hate? Do you hate the only word in, in existence? For fuck's sake, yeah. I've got one word for you. Do you hate? No, okay. God, yeah. Sweet, man. Well, thank you again for having me. And like I said, look forward to the next time. Yeah. It's been wonderful, man. Let's call it a night now or else we'll just yeah, fucking natter all night. All night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> been, been great fun. So we'll hang up now. Yeah. Peace. All right. Later, everyone. Bye, guys. See you later, fellas. people it's crowdsourcing